in Ayurveda, and this is kind of a big thing, but there's one single cause for every single disease. And that is called mistake of intellect. In Ayurveda, we call it pragya parada. That's the Sanskrit name, but it means mistake of intellect. It means your intellect is mistaking yourself for what you truly are. You are the universe. You are an absolute unified field of consciousness. Okay, whether how, how many people actually experience that. Some people may not even intellectually agree with that. But, you know, that's my view. That's my experience. And that's, you know, the, the, the laws of nature is that we are all one unified field of consciousness. So if that's what you are, if you are the universe, how can a little, you know, pinch nerve in your lumbar spine ever make or break you? You know, how can these joint issues hurt you? How can this you know, heart palpitations and worrying affect you. Sure, they can be there. You're never going to have a perfect body. You're never going to have perfect skin, perfect digestion. But that doesn't mean you have to suffer. Your body can be in that state. It's your consciousness and your mind. That's king. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched Offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast, and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is a practitioner of a system of holistic medicine I'm exploring and practicing personally. Ayurveda. Dylan Smith is an Ayurvedic practitioner, holistic health educator, and the founder of Vital Veda, his practice in Sydney's Bronte Beach. Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word and it translates to the science of life. It encompasses the entire universe, nature, the body, the mind, and the spirit. It's thousands of years old. In a time when many of us are feeling anxious, overwhelmed, and existential, The ancient wisdom of Ayurveda seems to me to be the antidote. In addition to his Australian certification, Dylan trains under a family of internationally renowned Ayurvedic doctors in India. His knowledge is pure, rare, and at times polarising because it challenges our modern lifestyle choices and our conditioned preferences. As always, my intention is to help empower you with knowledge so you can formulate your own opinions. In this honest conversation, we discuss so much good stuff. Everything from basic Ayurvedic principles and lifestyle practices, to how to honour what it means to be cyclical, the dangers of overexposure to EMFs, what Dylan describes as the lighting crisis, the emerging industry of building biology, and much more. Here's Dylan and I for Offline. I really hope I'm saying Ayurvedic right. (laughs) And P.S. Enjoy his voice. We just meditated, but he sounds like this all the time. This ancient wisdom almost feels like in this weird way it was like designed for today. Isn't it? Like it's so old, but it's almost like the antidote to how we're living Mm. in modern life. And for me, I guess it just felt like, and you must hear this a lot, but the balance that I was craving, like I just couldn't seem to get release anywhere. But when I started practicing some Ayurvedic sort of, what are they like techniques or principles? rituals, practices. Yeah. yeah, I really started to feel a a shift. Um, I wanted to know what are the same, uh, what are the, um, I guess main health, I don't know if that's too broad, but the main health issues your clients come to you for, like what are you healing, what are you seeing a lot of at the moment? It's so broad. Is like it? it's Yeah, it's 
And it's interestingly, um, it's quite interesting. I want to discuss this with other physicians and practitioners, but I also get waves like of of common themes of conditions like at a time. So like this month I'll have increased, like most of my people have depression and even suicide. And then one month it was, or, you know, or one week, a lot of people with hormonal issues or females with hormonal issues and, uh, you know, a lot of eye issues. Interestingly, that you know, even so recently I've been having quite a lot of cancer patients. So that's that's one interesting thing which I've kind of felt. Yeah. But overall, it really is a, a such because Ayurveda means the science of life. So it's so diverse. Um, you know, everything like sleep issues, stress is a common one. Digestive issues is a common one. Um, yeah, there's just really everything. I mean, so broad. Yeah, it's f- interesting. Female hormone hormonal issues is a big one with the. And just general hormonal issues, thyroid issues, really what's I'd say is what's prevalent in in the in the in the world and in the population of common diseases and epidemics more like mm. the cancer, the autoimmune, the hypothyroidism, low thyroid, um, stress, of course, digestive issues. Mm. And yeah, the, you know people not feeling in their body, anxieties, you know, I was talking about those chunks of I've been really really recently having a lot of anxiety. A lot of people oh, yeah. with anxiety and yeah, that's a big one. It's interesting because not all of them, but a lot of those things are in our control, like those lifestyle factors. Do you find once people get to you, have they been everywhere else or are you finding that people are coming to you first? Sometimes it's both. And yeah. I, you know, I'm, I don't like when, <laughs> unfortunately, if they've been everyone everywhere else, you know, it's, the condition is usually deeper. And Ayurveda, I prefer to treat people preventatively. Obviously, I'll treat both. Ayurveda treats both. But interestingly, Ayurveda prioritizes maintaining health of the healthy people. Then we attend to the sick people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how much importance we place on prevention, preventative medicine and intervening before before it manifests. And with Ayurveda, you can detect even with the pulse diagnosis and other forms of diagnosis early on in the disease process, even before it's manifested, even before the person's feeling something. You know, I could sense, you know, back pain is developing, some some pinching on the nerve or whatever, um, or some joints are, or some issue with the liver. Liver's accumulating some pressure before they're even feeling. So Ayurveda has like six stages of disease, of a disease process. And the fifth stage is manifestation. That's usually when the Western medication comes. Mm. So it's it's beautiful if we can come, if we can prevent and people can want to just improve their, their lifestyle. And they might have some minor things which we can, you know, refine and, and balance. Mm-hmm. But it's both, really. Um, mm. And then, you know, the, it can make a big difference for people who haven't tried Ayurveda because it's got quite a unique approach and it's really dealing at, at a root level. And also, not only a root level, but working on the subtle layers of the physiology which are really the foundations of what happens in the relative flesh of our human anatomy. Mm. So that's, you know, hard for people to fathom and kind of they may be skeptical about it, but I say just just surrender to the treatment. That's very important for a patient just to surrender. It's interesting because they've lost that surrendering because of the way that the Western medical been system failed has. By the health system. Yeah, so they're becoming skeptical about that, which is fair enough, but Ayurveda says, you know, one of the most important qualities of a patient that's going to heal is they have to just surrender. You should just go to the doctor and not question much. Don't think much about your health. Just, just do what he says and and uh, you know stick to that. You know, go according to the routine, and and don't analyze your health much. If you analyze it, you're just going to get caught up in it, and and especially when you're you know googling what disease this is. I was going to say, get off Google. Yeah. And labeling diseases like, oh, rheumatoid arthritis, I'm going to Google it. And then that just grows in you. And, and you know, you, you invite that in your body. That's why I say, you know, rather That's say... That's a big topic, hey? Yeah. So, yeah. Like how much... It's like, what is that saying? The reality we believe is the reality we experience or something like that. Mm. And so through that lens, if you name your condition and you identify with your condition, you're giving it power and strength and it gets worse or grows or, and when we're so focused on it, like that's been really empowering for me. Mm. Like I used to say I 
suffered from PTSD and anxiety and I would like identify with that wholly and it would always be my story, you know. And then when I found meditation or when Matt taught me to meditate, I realised that I was my problem, (laughs) you know. And it's like it's there on a really subtle level. Mm. Like sometimes when I'm triggered, I'm like, oh, there you are. But I'm kind of like, not today. Mm. Yeah, you have a choice. Yeah. Favoring. In, in Ayurveda, and this is kind of a big thing, but there's one single cause for every single disease. And that is called mistake of intellect. In Ayurveda, we call it pragya parada. That's the Sanskrit name, but it means mistake of intellect. It means your intellect is mistaking yourself for what you truly are. You are the universe. You are an absolute unified field of consciousness. Okay, whether how how many people actually experience that. Some people may not even intellectually agree with that. But, you know, that's my view. That's my experience. And that's, you know, the, the laws of nature is that we are all one unified field of consciousness. So if that's what you are, if you are the universe... How can a little, you know, pinch nerve in your lumbar spine ever make or break you? You know, how can these joint issues hurt you? How can this, you know, heart palpitations and worrying affect you? Sure, they can be there. You're never going to have a perfect body. You're never going to have perfect skin, perfect digestion. But that doesn't mean you have to suffer. Your body can be in that state. It's your consciousness and your mind. Mm. That's king. You know, our gurus, gurus, guru, you know, Guru Dev, Swami Brahmananda Saraswati, who's Matt's teacher's teacher, Mm. (laughs) um... He was infested with parasites when they well, after his body, you know, dropped and they they took the biopsies and, and uh, investigated it. And you know, I know many many people who are in high states of consciousness whose bodies are going through so much, so much turmoil. And Why are they? Why do our bodies go through? Because like, of the mainly because of the environments we're living in and mm-hmm. and and the lives we're living. Especially these gurus, they have very demanding work and. They're favoring their dharma over their personal. That you know, some people just and this is a pattern that I do, and and my teachers are also very much in India. The the doctors they just all they care about is dharma. They'll he'll sit for twelve hours a day doing consultations and not get out of his seat. You know, go to the toilet, have lunch, but not getting outdoors and and you know we're living in a lifestyle these days where where it's supporting that and modern industrial influences, mm. which are all. Contributing to so, do you feel like you're susceptible to that as well, where you can get so in the work that you? It's just an interesting thing because often mm. when you're a subject matter expert, I always want to know, like, if you're teaching something mm. or preaching something, yeah, how closely are you? Totally, mm. I, I do think it's important to to what you, what's the saying? Preach what you practice what you practice preach. what you preach and I, and I do and that's in, with the new kind of movement called biohacking which is out there it's about it's people trying to hack their biology and live and longevity that's really honoring your body more and aligning it with the circadian rhythms of, of life and the biological rhythms the, the rhythms of balance for your body so I'm really I'm I'm Im- implementing that personally I yeah I am mm. doing a lot of these things um unlike my teachers mm. but they're also it's interesting because they're you know at such a high state of consciousness mm. that it it doesn't it doesn't concern them i i tell them and i see them living in a ridiculously blue lit environment with you know they go to bed late very late um they're pumped with emfs you know he sleeps with his phone next to his head because he gets calls all throughout the night from people all over the world with with things so and he's on his phone way too much it's a huge issue and definitely they they realize it's an issue and trying, they're trying to work on it and you know, mm. find a secretary or whatever. But, but you know, yeah, when there's a demand for your mm. healing powers, yeah, yeah that's. But I can, for me, it is you know, kind of moving towards that as well. So I'm trying to balance it, and that's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, with my with my work and my business, trying to delegate certain tasks so I can, yeah. I know. I already offered up help for the podcast, didn't mm. I? I was like, yeah. <laughs> But I'm I'm doing well, I think. <laughs> I think you're doing <laughs> a great job considering I am you're doing everything. Yeah, I do practice what I preach. Yeah. Basically. I know I asked you the other night, but um, maybe for the purpose of this conversation as well, like is there that rise in like interest and popularity of this sort of health science? Because 
it seems to me like it's hitting the mainstream. Do you feel yeah. that or? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think. Which it, means you're busier. Yeah. And it definitely is. I mean, because it's, because it's the laws of nature really. And people are wanting to align more with their nature. That's what Ayurveda does. It aligns you to your nature, which is where perfect health is, your human nature. So I do think, and, I, and as I said the other night, you know, people are losing faith and trust with the, with the conventional medical systems. Mm. And they're, yeah, they're, um, yeah, it's just a really sad thing to be able, you know, hospitals are meant to be there as a, as a place of hermit, you know, hermitage and to take anyone of all races and creeds and how they're just, they're systems that, and also the, there's some, there's a, it's not, it's the unholistic nature of, of conventional medicine that I think, I think people are seeking the holistic, you know, they're, they're going to these doctors and they're just very straight-edged of, of one way and not considering other convention, other Drugs. interventions. And, and yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if you can um, just describe how you heal people. What are the sort of main techniques and healing practices that you use? Like if I was brand new to this and I was going to come and see you, what can I expect? Like the pulse diagnosis was a fascinating experience, I have mm. to say. And we had a really quick session at BMC once and it was pretty crazy accurate. And I found mm. that quite overwhelming actually that you could do that. Mm. The pulse is really amazing. I mean, it's it's hard to explain, but, you know, your, your radial pulse, it, it has all the information of your body and you know, your pulse is your heart, your heart is your heartbeat, your heart, your heart is your feelings, your emotions, you, you pump blood to every cell in the body in two to three minutes, and your heart is also the seat of your immunity and your your life. In Ayurveda, we call it ojas. It's, it's, it's the base of your, the essence of your body and the physical expression of consciousness. So all that is in the heart. So the heart has so much. And that gives information through the pulse, the, the radial artery. It, you have to obviously know how to find that information and there's many methods of pulse around the world um, and there's many methods of pulse in Ayurveda. A lot of it has been lost around the world and I'm blessed to have learnt from experts, internationally renowned experts in pulse diagnosis that also happen to have a very easy method of pulse and a very effective method. Mm. And pulse is not only for diagnosis, it's for healing. So we teach self-pulse people to feel their own pulse. As well, I noticed healing. before we meditated just now and after you were doing that. Yeah. What were you feeling for? You don't really um, search for anything. You just feel and it kind of connects your mind and body. So that's one. And you notice differences like when you really want to develop pulse as a practice either for yourself or if you're a practitioner and you want to learn pulse diagnosis you have to feel it many times in the day before food after food before meditation after meditation before toilet after toilet morning evening and then you get to feel patterns and differences and you you begin to the pulse begins to speak to you that's what it's all about it's not a i never got taught what to look for i had to you know write down my experience my patterns what i was finding and then say to my teacher look i'm finding this he goes oh very good here's this what that's what that is and he would never tell me. And it's so hard for people to learn. You know, I teach this to people, to students, diploma students and everything. And it's a very long patient process. Um, so, yeah, that's one That's one tool I use. Mm -hmm. um, but not only that, like that's, that's one thing. But the other thing is questioning. You know, I'm not a master in pulse. You know, people also use tongue diagnosis. I also use tongue diagnosis. I look at the face of the person, the physique. Um and a big one is questioning. You know, I do a lot of phone consultations um, and I do a lot of questioning and get to know them and figure out their life and patterns. And then that's all the diagnostic part. And when, then what you asked about is the treatment part. The treatment part is mainly diet. So we give you a diet plan, a lifestyle plan, kind of routine practices to do according to your situation, your your what's your life like? Are you in a family? Are you a mother or father? What's your work like? And then some herbal remedies are very effective. And then if you want need a deeper kind of intervention of healing, you do body treatments, which are, Ayurveda has so many pampering, absolutely blissful body treatments. I've got to try them. I've, just, oh. I've got to invest in myself. You know, it's that thing, what's been stopping me is like spending the money on it. Mm. 
but I know it's what I need. Like I booked a really bad massage <laughs> somewhere and I walked out just going, why are you doing this to yourself? Like I should have just, I wanted to um, book with you and mm. I just didn't do it. And I, it was like 50 bucks less mm. to go and get this shit massage. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to wait till I get back. I'm sorry. I'm going I know. Tomorrow, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, those are profound because, I mean, especially when you have a good practitioner and when you're using very precious medicated oils, I mean, Ayurveda herbology is a whole nother level to any other modality I've in researched. And the herbs and the oils, it's just a whole nother. Anyway, it's it's profound. Like the, it can really change someone, just, just one treatment, but ideally we do a few. And, and that can also really, you know, get people interested in, in other things and deeper things. And then they can do more things to take action on themselves, mm. which is the diet and the lifestyle. And Yeah, and that's what I'm finding. It's like... The more I'm learning, the more I'm looking around my home and my life and going, oh, there's a lot I could be doing, like totally. getting a stovetop kettle, mm. getting rid of my microwave. Mm, definitely. Like since our talk the other day, every time I put something in the microwave, I'm just like, Alison. No way. Why are we still here? Oh. But I got to, I think I've got to physically get it out of the house. Yeah. Like I'm, it's so ingrained in it. me mm. of that's how I... Ah, it's it's really bad. You'll start to taste the difference when you start cooking a pot. Also, mm. I mean, that's just... like you said, it doesn't take long to reheat something no, it really in a doesn't. pot. <laughs> in a pot no. um, so in Ayurveda, there's three different doshas. Doshas? Yeah. Doshas. 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 <laughs> you know, I want to get the pronunciation right. Yeah. I went through all of my episode with Matt saying Vedic wrong. Oh, how are we saying it? I forget. It was so wrong. <laughs> I forget. I um, must have said, if I wasn't Vedic, saying... Vedic, maybe? Vedic. 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 Oh. I think I was saying Vedic. Vedic. <laughs> Mortifying. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's three different ones. There's mm. Pitta, Vata, and Kapha. Mm. Um, I've written this down so I get it right. These are biological energies found throughout the body. Pitta is fire and water. Vata is space and air. And Kapha is earth and water. So my question for you is, am I correct in saying that we should be living a lifestyle that balances our dosha? Yeah. I and mean, then how do we do that? So the, as you said, the doshas are the five elements. So, you know, I read a simple, it says that all the five elements, which are space, air, fire, water, earth, all these elements are dominant in every single thing on in the universe, in every person, in every plant, in every food item, in every object. So it's about balancing those, not to equilibrium, not that they're so equal, but that they're just what they should be according to that unique living entity. And mm-hmm. I've had it made it even more simple. It moved into three doshas, so it went from five to three. And um, yeah, the, the way to balance it is, is just really to live in tune with nature. That's mm-hmm. the simple way. And live in tune with nature's rhythms, with nature's circadian rhythms. You know, the sun's a very key circadian uh you know, figure and mechanism, you know, wake with the sun, eat with the sun when the sun's the highest, you know, eat the strongest meal and go to sleep with the sun. And, um, you know, as well, as well, be with the moon. If you're a woman, be with, with your menstrual cycle, that circadian rhythm, be with the seasons. There's all lines with nature's cycles, nature's rhythms. And when you line with nature's rhythms, automatically your biological rhythms will, you know, tune up and balance because that's mm. very interlinked, strongly interlinked. And, that's you know where where health begins when those mechanisms start working well. Mm. What's the Ayurvedic view on um, my menstrual cycle lined up with the full moon? Is that like someone told me that was like resonance? Like I was that was me. There's a few different views and and misconceptions about this. Actually, every woman is different. Yeah, it's according to your. Jyotish to what your your Vedic astrology actually it's according to your what you're born so where you, when you were born what's your what was your moon mm. doesn't mean you can have yeah so it's mm. some people say it has to be on new moon that's that's what a balanced menstrual cycle is right. but it's not it's unique for every woman so just be different yeah yeah as long as it's regular and it's smooth um, no pain then at all just some heightened sensitivity mm. then that's a balanced cycle. As I continue to deepen my relationship with my womb and my cycle, after sadly losing a baby in late 2018, I've stopped using tampons unless I absolutely have to. Both a privilege and a personal choice. 
Instead, I wear period-proof underwear. I share this because evolving my opinion of the days I bleed, from being an inconvenience to an honour, and giving my blood an unobstructed pathway to pass, has changed my period for the better. I was of course curious to learn the Ayurvedic view on menstruation. And before I go and if it feels good, I encourage you to spend some time considering your own relationship with your blood. And also how you show your body care when it's bleeding. As Dylan explains and I've experienced firsthand, we can choose to bleed consciously and tap into our cyclical nature. Yeah, just know that the period is the greatest gift to you. It's a fantastic purification that happens once a month and it's a great detox. You have to honour that, facilitate that purification by resting. Okay, rest, do less, use the mind less so that all the energy can be going downward throughout the pelvic floor and honour your cycle. Okay, mm. then that will kind of allow that process to happen, whatever's happening. Obviously, there's some blockage somewhere which is causing the pain or the endometriosis. Then also you need to consider if you have a stressful month or whatever else is going on in the body, the period will compensate for that. They're trying to detox something out of the body. So when your month is more stressful, maybe the period will be more rough. Similarly, if you really rest during the period, it's like pulling back the bow further, mm. then the month ahead will be so much more smooth because you would have rested and honored that kind of rest time. It's like your monthly retreat. And, you know, just just see a practitioner and, and sort it out and, you know, Herbs can really be helpful with, with these things. Um, you know, look at the lymphatic system as well, which is like the major fluid in the body, which kind of circulates all throughout the body and detoxifies. Kind of the period can sometimes, um, you know, be vitiated because of that, because mm. that's not the draining well. So the period kind of has to take more roles. But a big one is the uterus-brain connection and, you know, linking the stress up with that. Because yeah. if the if the brain is stressed and overworked, then the energy from the pelvic floor, what we call the vata, which is the, the energetic movement, that will go up to the brain to support that mm. and neglect the pelvic floor region. So this will cause these issues. So there's so many connections and, and again the hormones of course is a big one, you know. Yeah. And and the whole you have to think of all the hormones as a web. They're all connected, the thyroid hormones, the brain hormones, the melatonin. And that's a big one, you know, start with the pituitary gland in the brain, the, the hormones that are regulated by the brain, you know, which is, which is mainly light mediated. So mediated by the light, they're called photoendocrinology, which means light mediated hormones. Mm -hmm. it's, it's what's initiating the hormones. So if you're, you know, blasting the artificial light and got the lights on at night and Watching screens a lot, your brain's going to think it's midday when it's not, and then you kind of don't get the morning sun, so all the hormones become disrupted, and so does the female hormones. And then the low metabolism with the thyroid, very common, as I mentioned earlier, like low thyroid because of not good digestion, and again, the light, not getting that morning light to activate those hormones. Mm -hmm. So then the female hormones also get vitiated and under... Yeah, imbalance. It's just like I've been reflecting on it a lot and you know I interviewed Lara Bryden mm. recently and she was incredible. Um, it's just like this big scam on women because there's all of these menstrual products like tampons and – well, mainly tampons um, – that are quite invasive and totally. laden with chemicals that we're putting inside our bodies. But the messaging around that is – you can just get on with your life and you can keep mm. going and you can do anything and you can play your sport and da, da 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 And it's actually the opposite of what we need to be doing, which is just allowing our blood safe ground to come out, you yeah. know, like, I mean, cups and stuff is a great alternative, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, I still use tampons when I have to for comfort if mm. I'm depending on what I've got on in the day, just try and make sure, well, I always make sure they're organic tampons Good. if I have to use it. Mm. But it's just that education that yeah. we've been kind of, whatever, brainwashed to believe that we it shouldn't get in our way of living a full life. But actually it's like what you're saying, like take rest. Mm. Like for me, it's a sign of my fertility and, you know, the health of my womb. Yeah. You know, like just we're allowed to stop and honour it but then we're living in a system that doesn't allow us that rest because 
we have to get up and go mm. to these jobs that we've oversubscribed to as well. <laughs> it takes courage to break the status quo, social conditioning and, and be an exemplar and take action. And then that will, you know, start to permeate throughout your colleagues and your friends. And mm. um, But totally, it's totally embedded in the status quo that women should just get on with it and all oh, you have pain, you just, that's your period. As I said, we need to, we need to break these normal, these norms of health. Like it's the norm. I see so many women, I say, how's your period? They say, good. I go, is there pain? Yeah, yeah. The first day I'm in excruciating pain. That's not normal. That's not natural. You should not have any pain at all. So women think it's normal to have pain. So mm. there's definitely something not right there, yeah. which we need to fix. And yeah, and again, like definitely there's so many good products coming out, like with the disposable underwear, not the disposable, the reusable underwear, yeah, the, like the big pads. The period pad, I mean, yeah. There's so much, you know, they call it 100% cotton, which is not organic. It's Cotton's the most sprayed crop, one of the most sprayed, the dirtiest crops on the planet. Like really? it's full of dioxin, this chemical, which is, you know, compromises the immune system. And when you're sticking that up your vagina in such a vulnerable tissue, mm. it's just, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, it's crazy. And I've been doing it for... Mm however long until like the last few years where I'm like what the hell <laughs> and also like admiring and looking at the indigenous cultures and the mm. you know the in the Vedic and the indigenous Australian aboriginals like you know the, the women would go off and have their retreat and be alone just with women because it's such powerful energy this is the energy that creates a, a baby you oh, know yeah. this is we call in the Vedic Shakti that divine feminine energy and honor that let that grow every period as well Every menstrual cycle is cultivating your future offspring. As soon as you start menstruating at menarche as a young teenage girl, every cycle is is cultivating mm. your future offspring. So really kind of cultivate and develop that that tissue, that reproductive tissue. Mm. This is what Lara and I were talking about. Um, you've got girls who are getting their period at, say, between 14 and 16. Perhaps there's bad pain or it's a heavy flow or it's a regular. Doctor puts them on the pill at 16, 17. They stay on the pill, it's my story, 17 to mid-20s, late 20s, until, oh, shit, I'm going to get married, want to try and have a baby. Mm. What's actually happening is our body, our period has never matured from that Mm. first year of having one. So we come off the pill at 28 with the period or like, I guess, the, um, what is that, like the womb age (laughs) Mm. of a 16-year-old and we expect it to be mature, advanced, regular. It's so crazy, but I asked her, like, what's the responsibility of the doctors? But they are incentivized to prescribe particular drugs. Mm. And that's why we just need to, as as women but men as well, just be, listen to me preaching to you, informed so we can ask questions in the room. Totally. You know, instead of just going, okay, I'll take the script and get it filled. Yeah, being educated. Mm. That's my rant's over. It's the same with the birthing, <laughs> you know, the birthing industry. Oh, my God, I know. That's a big... And, you know, you know speak to Nadine Richardson from Shebirth, like, it's just, that's so ingrained and people don't know that there's alternative birthing options. You just think, you know, go in the hospital, lie down, get epidurals, painkilling injections, like, yeah, there's a whole... Well, I guess there's one part of me that says... If the pain relief is available, it should be. Why there. wouldn't we take it? No, no, because it causes so many issues. When you have these epidurals, you suppress your oxytocin, which is the loving bonding hormone, which is going to make you contract properly. And also, yeah, it's mainly the oxytocin. I mean, you have this. Cr- I think I interviewed Dean Richardson the other day. She said you have like one two hundred times more oxytocin than you'll you'll get in the highest orgasms of sex. Like, wow, you are exploded with with these hormones and an epidural which is an injection into the spinal cord for pain relief that will um yeah that will stop that brain that cycle of oxytocin and which causes a whole lot of issues but to have everything there because birth is such a dynamic experience anything can happen every single situation is unique so to have everything you know have the epidurals have the c-section if it needs to be but you know just be aware of the other options not just straight to the surgery not straight to this because because the hospital is going to get paid and because the doctor wants to go to home from work and, you know, opt, uh, obstetrician means to observe, right? It doesn't, obstetricians are not doing so many observing these days. It's some expensive observing. (laughs) Yeah. 
they're just there in case, you know, to just check everything's going good. They're the medical experts to supervise, but really it should be the doula, which we've lost, the, the mother, mm. the, the feminine, the girls around us to be in that. And because so, it's a psychosomatic experience, it's, it's all, you know, basically all mental. You know, mm. the, the observer, the obstetrician can be there for medical intervention if necessary. But um, this is what we're talking about with these, this, this doula role. And she's well, like it's every, coming back, isn't it? It's really yeah. having a... She was saying every woman should should learn the doula course just as a to as their femininity, you know, mm. to to cultivate oh, that's so their shakti. Nice. How nice I'm going to interview that? her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, but I love that notion of every woman learning to be a doula because it's like an initiation into womanhood and a rite mm. of passage to learn to be a sister. And we be there for each not, other, not just to do with birth, just to cultivate that shakti. Mm. Yeah, I've been doing um, offline women's circles. Mm. Awesome, and it has been just the most healing experience for me and I know a lot of the women who come but um, mm. there is an uncomfortability in the beginning because we're not used to holding that space mm. with each other and sharing our truths and our experiences and our stories and like he was saying in Indigenous culture the women would go away together mm. and take circle and share and pass down their stories and their learnings mm. and we're that's what we're losing but I feel it's coming back I mean there's so much incredible progress happening at the moment, certainly through your practice and what I'm learning through the Vedic community mm. and also people like Nadine mm. doing the work that yeah. she's doing. And and men good. need it more. I mean, they both need it, but men are even more suppressed in that openness and that vulnerability. Mm. And I recently went on a men's walk with 11 men and went, went bush for three days with backpacks and fortunate to have my brother and my father along with me. And, you know, we, we had this elder who took us and, and gave us, you know, spoke to us. We, we'd sit a lot and talk and, you know, we're talking about stuff that we'd never speak about, especially between me and my dad and my brother. Like oh, he just he just initiated these questions and I'm just like, wow, this is so needed. Like, because men crave that. I told, we told so many people, my dad was telling so many friends, they all called? wanted to do it. He calls it conscious adventures. He's not big. I'm just like, whenever you're ready, like, just tell me and like, I'll help people up with you because People want that, especially the men. They want to go bush. They want to kind of reclaim that masculine energy. Masculinity. Yeah. Mm. We haven't gotten to all my good questions. Um, (laughs) I'm still in the basics. Okay, I'm going to say one more on this before we move into some EMFs Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I did just want you to explain what, what are some of the basic lifestyle practices we can take on? Like there's so many things that I've been doing that have been hugely beneficial to my overall sort of well-being. But um, let's just start with the morning and then throughout the day, like I know you say, moving your bowel first thing, Mm. which is very uncommon, Mm. I mean, in modern society. I don't know many people who are clockwork when they wake up. Mm. But yeah, from, I guess, wake up to- Yeah, do they? (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my, you know, intentions to create that. It's an important thing to have. Mm. But yeah, so let's start with the lifestyle. Just, I guess we'll quickly go through some of the key ones. One is waking up, you know, waking up with the sunrise or before, because that is giving you energy for the day. Um, if you wake up, the more you sleep in, or the more you sleep in, the more fatigue you'll get. People, you, you listening probably know from experience, like the more you stay in the bed, the more tired you'll feel. Although you're lying and resting, you're still, you're not, you're not getting good energy. When you wake up before sunrise or with sunrise, you'll get that good energy. Mm. And there's science behind that. It's related with the doshas and the elements that are dominant, but I don't think we need to go into it. Mm. Um, I also love that concept of like the sun loves to be adored yeah, and greeted totally. and that it's our role to yeah. greet the sun. Yeah, the sun is a sentient being. It shows up on our doorstep every day, never late. And we have to reciprocate that loving, giving energy that it gives unconditionally. You know, it doesn't care if we cut down its trees and kill its cows. It will still show up every day. So we need to reciprocate that energy. And when we start reciprocating that energy and developing a sun-human relationship, we start getting the benefits of sun, which has is a huge multitude of benefits, not just vitamin D. It's our hormones. It's it's happiness. You know, take a depressed person to sunrise every day. Just pull them out of bed, whatever you need to do. It will take away the depression. You cannot have negating thoughts when you're in front of a sunrise, especially when you do a backbend. You stimulate the certain chemicals. Mm-hmm. So this is like what, you know, in yoga, typical sun salutation, or called Surya Namaskar. That's fantastic. To, which is literally what it means is like saluting the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, salute the sun every day and, and you know, the the skin health, the, you know, 
prevention from skin cancer, the complexion, um, the blood circulation, so many benefits that the sun gives. Hormones is a, is a big one. Mm. Um, but yeah, so get up, greet the sun, um, or even just get up with the sunrise and brush your teeth, scrape your tongue first thing. So when you wake up, you'll see some toxins on your skin, on your tongue, like a white coating or maybe yellow. If it's black or purple, you have to contact me and we can do a consultation oh, wow. to sort okay. that out. But um, you have to scrape that off in the morning with a proper tongue scraper. And that will that's just taking toxins out from the day before that accumulated on the tongue overnight while you detox. Mm-hmm. And then you know, have a bit morning bowel motion sometime, you know, sometime in the morning before you um, eat anything and before you drink any coffee. Water you can have to help. Plain water is good. Yeah, but I've, I've learned from you that like just don't worry about the lemon and all that shit. Yeah. Just like have the warm water on its own and don't give your body something else mm. to do. Just let it yes. be hydrated. Yeah, and, and purify all the channels. You know, if you have lemon, it'll go to the liver specifically or ginger will go to the digestive tract. So just the plain hot water goes everywhere. And yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't secrete hydrocolic acid digestive enzymes if mm. it's if it's a lemon or ginger. So another key and beautiful practice in Ayurveda is self-massage or self-oil massage. We call it abhyanga. And it's applying oil to the body and giving yourself a massage, moving the blood, moving the lymph, um, you know, respecting your body, loving it, getting to know it. I love it. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do. But then you give yourself the oil massage, then you wash it off. Yes, because oil has an action of lipophilic. So it means it pulls. Mm-hmm. pulls the toxins out of the body mm. onto the skin and then you have to wash it mm. I have to say since I've started scraping my tongue it's like really gross to think mm. I didn't do that like what comes off is <laughs> everyone has the same experience They're like oh my god I did not know about this before Oh, it's so awful Yeah, when you sleep you detox that's what the body does that's why sleep's so important particularly between 10 and 2 at night time it's about when you sleep, not about how many hours. So when you sleep, one of the detox channels is the mouth. It brings it to the to the mm. mouth and you've got to scrape it off in the morning before it reabsorbs back in. Yes. Oh, my God. And then I, um, I bought your nasal and brain oil. Mm. So I've been doing that practice just in the morning. Mm. Yeah. So that's basically for people who don't know, that's just a dropper and you just put a couple of drops in each nostril and you sniff it up. Yeah. What does that do? That's that's a medicated oil. It, it seems kind of a bit more, I guess, uh, radical than these other practices. Yeah. But I really think it's important these days, and that's why I've started kind of making it more mainstream because it's the way to, to I guess, heal the brain and, and nourish it. Yeah, because the nose is the gateway to the skull. So that's the way we, we enter the brain. And, you know, we're facing an epidemic of dry brain from phones, technology, air conditioning, indoor environments, electromagnetic fields, and that's, you know, causing the epidemic of dementia, Alzheimer's, neurodegenerative diseases, and people are getting it earlier, and it's, you know, now becoming, again, the norm for your parents or grandparents to get mm. dementia or Alzheimer's. A lot of it, everybody says, because of a dry brain. So a fantastic way to prevent this is with the nasal drops, with the medicated oil. Dylan and I went briefly into what it looks like to follow an Ayurvedic diet. But his message is pretty simple, so I'm summarising it here. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat with the season. He said nature is complex so we can be simple. Avoid anything in a packet, and try to eat food that's been cooked with love. We finally moved on to a topic he's passionate about. Overexposure to the electromagnetic fields radiating from things like our phones microwaves, and Wi-Fi routers. See the show notes for more, including a link to an earthing mat. EMFs activate these things in our body called voltage-gated calcium channels. So this is basically a channel in the extracellular fluid of the cell, like on the outside of the cell, that activates that. And that basically, in short, without going into the whole steps of pathology, it activates excess free radicals, which cause inflammation and a whole lot of diseases. And they're concentrated mainly in the brain, the heart, and the genitals. At least that's what's been studied. Mm. So they open these voltage-gated calcium channels, allow excess calcium to flow, which creates excess nitric oxide, and and then excess free radicals. And we know free radicals cause so many issues. So that's why, you know, 
we're really advising to not keep the phones on the pocket in the pockets near your genitals and on your breasts when you're running and um, next to your head, like when you're talking on the phone, because they activate these these calcium channels and that can cause so many issues. Like again, with the early dementia, the early Alzheimer's, the autism, the brain fog, um, headaches, migraines, and infertility and and low libido. You know, uh, you know, erectile dysfunction. So many things. So. Mm. And this is the thing is, we're all sleeping with our phones next to our heads. Well, you're not, but... Yeah, way too many people are. It's shocking. Because that's our alarm and that can't be yeah. our excuse. Mm, yeah, I mean... Like get a fucking alarm clock. Or put your phone on airplane mode. It's, airplane okay. mode is pretty much zero EMF. So start becoming more familiar with airplane mode. Mm. You know, whenever, you know, if you need to walk with your phone in your pocket, fine. You know, I did. I came from the train station to here, but it was on airplane mode when I was coming here. I would never have that next to my genitals. I don't want my genitals to fry. Or do I want my firmer bone? My, You know, I met a patient who, who had uh, lower bone density in his left thigh because of the foam was always in the pocket. And they've done studies exactly on that. Oh, wow. So... And just sitting with your laptop on your lap oh, working. Oh, that's a shocking one. But like, what about with a pillow on top or it's Talk still about just... infertility. No, it's... You need a, a EMF mat. You can buy them, um, EMF protective shields, where it's like a magazine, oh. a strong magazine, and that that protects. But you know, male sperm count has significantly reduced, and also for the women aging, the ovulatory clock, getting menopause earlier, getting the period issues. People think EMF is not a big deal because they can't see it or feel it unless you're hypersensitive, but. It's the new cigarettes, you know, it's, it has an accumulative effect. Mm. And if you're having issues, you take these causative factors away and you'll see a difference. I mean, you don't have to get stressed anymore. You don't have to get into a fight or have your boss scream at you to get stressed. You just have an EMF device near you. It activates the adrenal complex. That stress response will occur. It's like constantly vibrating and activating these cells. So mm. I can feel it though. Like if I'm working with a pillow and my laptop on top, my legs feel yeah, for like sure. there's a current running through them. Like that's real. And then I'm like, this is not good. Oh the laptop, God. definitely, you, you should be able to feel. I mean, especially if, even if you can't feel, if you just say to someone, stop and actually feel it. Can you feel the laptop? They'll feel it. Yeah. Especially a laptop, even a phone as well. Um, mm. And the more you learn about it, become more aware. And then there's hypersensitive people who develop hypersensitivity, which is another related to the, the one of the biological implications of EMF is it makes the blood-brain barrier permeable. So we've got this barrier which protects our brain from toxins, basically, and chemicals and, and you know, un irrelevant uh, cells and constituents. That becomes permeable and allows things to leak in. So, so many things gets like a free entry into the brain, whether it's a chemical smelling of perfume or um, all the glyphosate, the pesticides we're inevitably exposed to. Mm. Um, these, And again, the voltage-gated calcium channels can much easily get activated when that is permeable. Definitely. There's so many things that make the blood-brain barrier permeable. permeable. Mm. One thing is mold, toxins. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And that's why there's some hypersensitive people who I've met patients who can't even sleep in their boyfriend's bed because his bed sheets are washed with chemicals. And they walk past someone with perfume and they get a reaction. That's because their blood brain barrier is so weak that these toxins just get free entry. And the EMS weaken that blood brain barrier mm. a lot. It's something for all women, but men as well. But I know most of my listeners are female. We just have to get off that synthetic fragrance. Mm. Like stop using, like yeah. stop dousing yourself in totally. chemicals. There's so many day. beautiful natural ones. I know. <laughs> well, have you heard of that one I wear, um, Smoking Rose? Um, the brand is AU. Mm. I'll show you. A little it. bit it's, of them. Yeah. I mean, I know them, but I haven't so smelled that. So beautiful. Mm. Um, and it's one of those things where with a perfume oil like that, it doesn't last all day, but it's actually really a beautiful ritual mm. to reapply it all mm. day. So it's kind of this nice beautiful. thing where it's like, it doesn't have to last you, but like when women walk past me with, do you have that with like mm. crazy perfume? I get almost like an instant headache. Mm. I'm like, how... Are you walking around and not having a migraine right now? And there's so many aspects in our you know, life that we have to reduce. Like I don't want it to feel overwhelming, but if you have issues with your body and if you're not strong, you know, ideally we want to be strong and we can enter this toxic world and, and you know, face the world and, and help people. But, you know, if we have, you know, some imbalance in our body, just the more toxins, the more, you know, incompatible aspects of our life. It's going to put a greater strain on the body. So slowly, you know, cut down what, mm. what needs to be cut down. You know, I think some are more biologically active than others. Like I think, you know, 
EMF is perhaps a priority to get rather than the chemical perfumes, unless you had you know, a skin reaction, then you definitely want, don't want to be putting chemicals on your skin. Yeah. But, you know, simple things for EMF, like, as I said, use airplane mode more often, you know, get to know that button. And, it, and what a liberation is to be unattached to the world of phone calls, you oh, know, so let people good. leave a voicemail. Um, and, you know, definitely sleep with the Wi-Fi router off at night. You know, the key thing with EMF is you, the key physics law is distance yourself from the source and the volume will, will become greater. So the closer you are, the greater volume of power density. So the more you distance yourself, the difference from having your phone in your pocket and the phone on the table while you're having a conversation is huge. And Wi-Fi router, if you're within six meters of that while you're asleep, that's shot. Because you say just turn it off when you go to bed. Like yeah, you don't need Wi-Fi exactly. when you're asleep. Exactly. And sleeping is the main one. You're there for eight hours. You, you need to get the sleep right. It's your main biorhythm. You have to be sleeping well. When you go to sleep, you should get to sleep straight away and you should not wake up at all in the night and you should wake up with energy. That's proper sleep. Mm. That's your main biorhythm. That's the main time to repair and rejuvenate. You need to get that right. And for that, one of the aspects is to not have EMF, not have artificial lights before you sleep and have the nervous system in a calm state so that it can switch off straight away. And if it's not doing that, you have to work on the nervous system, mm-hmm. the causes of that. Yeah. And then I know you're a big fan of the orange tone on the phone, which I have and it does make everything warm, like mm. whatever. Like some people are like, oh, you can't see the pictures properly. I'm like, I can still see them. Everything just has that tint, mm. but you do say to try and keep your phone on. Yeah, 24-7 warm you should be tone. that. And even the computers especially because it's a bigger screen. And if you're watching TV, then you have to use blue light blocking glasses because the TV can't do that. Yes. But I really think a lot of people more using that warm tone, especially on computers. It's becoming really popular in mainstream because it's just so shocking for our health. Mm. And I think even graphic designers have to consider that. Anyone who's staring at a screen all day. It means have to, I, the people who I say is like graphic designers can't use that because they're doing their graphic work. But I think you have to consider that a lot of people are going to start using this warm colored tones on their computer screen. Mm. This can all start to feel overwhelming, I know. It's important to remember that we don't have to change everything at once. It's taken me an entire year to integrate some of these practices into my own life. And only recently am I getting better with reducing my exposure to EMFs. I bought a stovetop kettle and I've started putting my phone on airplane mode overnight. As Dylan explains, it isn't necessarily about avoiding EMFs altogether, but neutralising. It's so inevitable, all this EMF. The one thing we can do also is neutralise that. So the way we can kind of balance those ions is by getting the negative ions, which are from the Earth's magnetic field. So ground, put your bare feet on the ground, go for a swim, whether it's in the ocean or any river, even a shower neutralizes the EMF. So that's a big one. Mm. Just regularly do that, especially if you're working in an office or living in a high rise, regularly feet on balance the ground. those ions. Yeah. And give yeah. yourself oil massage. That Bianca, we talked about, that helps a lot. Mm. Well, th- you've said that before where like, even if you're flying a lot, even when just when you're flying, get off the plane get in the sun and get your feet on earth. Yeah, mm. definitely. Before and, that, and after you land, that will help acclimatise and reduce the jet lag. Yeah. What do you do on a plane? I'm just interested now. Like what's your sort of sequence? I basically do something in the Vedas, which we call rounding, which is a sequence of doing yoga asanas. So I'll usually do that in the exit row. So or, you round on the plane? Yeah. I wow. do not all the asanas. I do what I can in the limited space I have. So usually it's in exit row or where the pilots sit while they're in the kitchen. If it's Malaysian Airlines or AirAsia, I'll go in the Muslim praying section and I'll do my yoga asanas for a long time, kind of like yin yoga, like hold them long and just sitting on the floor cross-legged helps, mm. um, just not in a chair. And then I'll meditate and I'll do sequences of those and I won't eat anything. Um, I'll eat when I'm on the ground. And just drink water when you're on the plane? Yeah, hot water and do plenty of nasaka nose drops every couple of hours. Don't you get hungry on long-haul flights? Nah. For, it's what, 14 hours is the longest flight I do. I I fast anyway. It's like fasting overnight. Yeah. Um, I, it's true. And then you just have a nourishing meal before you get on the plane. Yeah. Well, if it's if it's mealtime. Mm. Even I'll have lunch and fly at night and then for another 12, 14 hours. So interesting. I've done a few rounding retreats. I'm like, I never thought about doing that on a plane. Yeah. And you just meditate for longer. You know, you're allowed to meditate as long as you want on a plane. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
Yes, yeah, so I was saying you spoke about this briefly, but the lighting crisis. Mm. What do you mean when you say that? The crisis of artificial lighting mainly and that, you know, we're exposed to our eyes and our retina is activated to light temperatures that we haven't been over only since, you know, the light bulb was invented, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred years ago or so. Um, so, you know, we're getting light, artificial lights at night and our brain thinks it's midday when it's got these lights shining, all these screens shining. So this is causing a hormonal imbalance mm. and also affecting eye health. We have an epidemic of macular degeneration, premature blindness, dry eyes is absolutely huge now. So it's mainly the imbalance of artificial light versus natural light or sunlight mm. versus junk light, they can call it. And Oh, junk light, nice. Yeah, and... Yeah. So it's, you know, especially with the introduction of LEDs and moving towards more sustainable energy efficient lighting, you know, losing the incandescent, it's, it's just increasing the light temperature. Mm. What are your suggestions for lighting in our lives? Like get as much sunlight as you can. Mm. So especially in the morning, kind of activate the hormones um, and, and get it on your skin, get it on your eyes, as much of your skin as possible. And after sunset, reduce the lighting as much as artificial lighting as much as possible. So have the phone and the screens on warm temperature. Keep the the lights dim. Use candles, or you know, if it's inevitable, like a lot of the time it is, buy blue light locking glasses, which is just orange tinted glasses, and it will block the blue light and will reduce that color temperature. Because mm. for melatonin to secrete, which is the king of hormones, the best antioxidant for the brain uh, and for the whole body. It needs four hours of darkness before that, before it starts secreting. Which is a long time. Yeah. You know, if you think about when we're going to bed, usually we're watching telly until whatever, 10, 11 o'clock at night, and then we're getting into bed, we're playing on our phone. Mm -hmm. So really we haven't... You miss the whole period. The main period of melatonin is between 10 and 2. So four hours before 10 o'clock, you need to have minimal lighting. And, you know, the blue light blocking glasses will help with that. It, people who can't sleep, they wear blue light blocking glasses for two hours before bed. They can sleep after that. Wow. Just that. So, yeah, just really toning down before bed and waking up and getting natural light, especially if you're working in an office that doesn't get natural light. And natural light means actual light, not just through a window. You need to go outside and get the sunlight. All in all, your whole skin, not just your eyes, because your skin has photoreceptors as well mm. to the sun. That's why blind people can tell if it's day or night. So we need to also consider our skin. Now people are even recommending to, to clothe up in the artificial lighting. Mm. I think that's, you know, not the most important thing. I think the most important thing is exposing your skin to the sunlight in the day. Um, I just have a couple more questions. I listened to your episode on building biology. Mm. Um, how much of what we've spoken about is actually building biology in terms of how we situate different things in our houses and Mm. or can you explain a little bit more about that concept of building biology and then how could people apply that to their homes building biology is you know we honor our biology our skin that we live in but what about the skin that we're sitting in right now what about the skin that we're the office the skin of our office that we're in eight hours a day and what about the home that we're in eight hours a day or 12 hours 20 hours when we're in buildings 20 hours plus a day 22 hours plus so we need to consider the biology of that what's the health of that home because we're in it and it's usually you know pretty stuffy in there so it's whatever's in there is going to be you know impacting our health so it's it's a quite uh you know extensive i guess emerging emerging industry and it assesses the health whether it's ventilation whether it's toxins that are prevalent according to the building materials and the cleaning materials and the mold is a big one you know mold is now in 50 plus percent of houses which is um again very biologically active it 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 releases biotoxins it's fungi like it's it's bacteria which are releasing mycotoxins as a byproduct and that you know we breathe in so some people again if you have a permeable barbane barrier you'll feel that Mm-hmm. Or if you don't, it'll have an accumulative effect and it'll hit you down the track when you're vulnerable and your immune system's low. So, mm. and of course, EMF is a big one. So, like, you can hire a building biologist who are specialists in this and they'll go to your home with fancy equipment and assess your house and see, okay, you have this there, just move the bed a bit over so you're not hitting this magnetic field. Or, mm. um, they'll look at the mold, you know, they'll see, okay, well, then we have to like, 
cleaning mold is a huge thing. You need to full wear masks, like proper 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 what oxygen masks. What if you disrupt the mold? Type yeah, thing. yeah. So there's a there's a proper way to clean it, and you need to have protective equipment. Um, so they'll assess so many things, and and the building materials is a big one. Ventilation, um, yeah, just seeing you know offsets from cars. You know, having a garage in in a you know, near 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 a room that people are in. Yeah, because right. Because I, I used to play PlayStation when I was a teenager in the garage of my friend's garage, and the the dad would always come home and we'd be playing. And as soon as he turns his car off, you know, it's emitting toxins which we're breathing in for after the car's off for an extended period of time. Mm. So just just little things like that. Um, it's an interesting industry. I think it's really. I think it's so big. interesting as well. Like yeah. when I heard your episode, I was like, oh wow, this is not something I'd really. Yeah. considered and it made me look at my own house and mm. like you know water got in in winter and mm. the roof is obviously damp and i'm like fuck i mean we're meant to I'm replace our waterproofing every five to seven years that's the regulation that does not happen exactly <laughs> and that's why mold is huge. Well, we had the real estate come out and he was like no nah, it's all good it's like mm. well it looks sunken in so i <laughs> don't Mm. I think that's a problem. Again, just strengthening ourselves from these inevitable toxins, you know, doing the Nasika, this is what protects our brain and and giving self abhyanga regularly, giving us a shield of armor, mm. detoxifying well regularly, um, you know, feeling good energy. And again, that's with the circadian rhythms being, you know, according with the sun, sleeping with the sun, waking with the sun, then we're strong and, you know, we can, we can deal with these to some mm. extent. But we should also, you know, work to minimize them and, you know, look around, slowly implement things. It takes time for people, you know. It took me time to buy blue light blocking glasses and now I just could not live sunset without them. I, and some people who I see are you're like, you need to get these as soon as possible because of the environment you're in. And, you know, it took time for me to buy clay pots, so not cooking with the toxic pots. Like, Where do you buy clay pots? I have the most amazing person in US who cultivates her own land, tests all her soil. She tests it for heavy metals and she also tests it for nutrients and minerals. Wow. She's a potter. She makes them herself. I interviewed her for my podcast. It's honestly one of the best podcast episodes I've recorded. Ooh. All about healthy cookware I'll and nutrient it. absorption and about how, you know, common pots like a stainless steel, it burns the food. Like yeah. It just zaps it. If you, you can't touch a pot while it's cooking. The clay pots, if it's pure, without a glaze, without ceramic, if it's pure clay, you can touch it. You can leave your finger on it, but it's still cooking at the same speed. Mm. It's, it, it's a whole new level of cooking. I cannot – it's – I can't put it into words. It's just so – it tastes I'll so different. I'll link that episode. I haven't listened to that one yet. I have a final question for you, and I actually don't think you're going to know what it is. <laughs> Because I don't think you've listened to any episodes. Yet. I haven't. You know, when you told me that you not you stopped listening to my podcast because you want to. Yeah. I took that. I don't know. It's kind of different. But I, I said I was going to listen to some, but then I thought actually I won't because I like that advice you said. Yeah, it's just make sure you have a, an yeah. original conversation. I but I'm think. definitely going to check out. Soon oh, good. Because I've got some episodes that I want to watch that I want to listen to. Well, um, I ask my guests the same question at the end of mm-hmm. every episode. When you're sitting in your true self, who are you and and how do you identify with that? I am totality. (laughs) I kind of knew you were going to say that. I was like, he's going to say one of three things. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to kind of just elaborate more on it. I am God expressing itself through me. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at my individuality, it's, it's for God to, and for the universe to, yeah, make others feel happy and blissful. Mm. And just increase love. Mm. But, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be on my podcast. I really enjoyed that. And, yeah, I hope for everyone listening that you get a lot from it because it's changed my life, actually, this sort of practice. And it's really beautiful. Like, it feels good. So thank you for teaching it. And, yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Alison. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them. <laughs>